Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Palin' Around podcast. This Wednesday, Cooper and John sit down with frontman Justin Abel and bassist Ben Linares of the Detroit-based punk band Letters from Abel to discuss In Your House, their debut EP. going to ask you some questions but first i'm going to silently count to 10 while we uh play our our theme song everybody uh usually uh usually we'd actually have it playing real time but this you know post production yeah good stuff no it's not <laughs> worth it so uh, uh so welcome welcome to our podcast uh full introduction now that was uh by uh telder you can find him on bandcamp and spotify uh, first of all, we want to thank Dark Cosmos Technology uh, for managing and producing all this. We couldn't really actually do anything without this. It would just be two guys, in this case four guys, uh, sitting in a room talking. So thank you. Uh, give them the old side eye. All right, John. I've, I know the answer, but on a scale from one to ten, how interesting would you rate your dream? A solid three. But the... um so. Do you want to hear my dream, Cooper? Well, since I asked about how interesting it was, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, well, first of all, let's before I get into the dream, we have um, Ben Abel and David Linarius. That's no, not. Oh, okay. Well, we got to rest- We just got to restart close. on that. That's just embarrassing. You're quite um, <laughs> first of all, Justin Abel and Ben Linarius <laughs> from the band Letters from Abel here with us today. Um, this is our first like interview, so it should be a time. Um, We're looking forward to it. Yeah. So, and they're they are dropping an EP. January 30th. January 30th. January 30th. In your house. It's, in, we're very excited for it. It's going to be a very, very fun time, a very good release, and we're hoping that everybody enjoys it. You're going to love it. I'm going to love it. Uh, the viewers are too. Um, one could say it's dreamlike, rather like the dream I had about a week ago. Um, everybody, the dream starts. I am in some sort of laboratory maze-like setting. Um, so are several other people. Um, Would you like to mention the people? I think they're just like most faces, of the time, right? You like, got to think about it in the instance of how many times do you have a dream with somebody that you know that you actually want to carry that out and tell them about that? <laughs> that okay, so, that's fair. But no, uh, well, no um, disclaimer. No, we're <laughs> people in the dream, not real people. Okay, well, yeah, that's, that's fair. I, that that I remember, you know. But so it's like a um, like a lab rat kind of thing trying to get out of the maze like escape room kind of deal mm-hmm. um people might have been shirtless um interesting in d- disregard um <laughs> i think i'm not going to disregard that i, I was about to say in. i think that's an important the, detail. i mean i'm gonna hone in on that let's talk about it john <laughs> people nude, people they or? didn't no not fully nude no just not shirtless? fully nude, just shirtless are we talking males and females shirtless or are we just talking just males like is this like a shirts versus skins maze game like is this what we got going on in your dream today or <laughs> All I remember is... At any point during the dream, without your shirt on, did you flex? Did 
Yes. I, I actually don't know. I, I might have my shirt on. I didn't actually glance See, now, down. It just keeps yeah. getting weirder and weirder. First, you're just confused. You know, the, the labyrinth maze part was interesting at first. Now there's anonymous, just gray beings in the corner somewhere <laughs> and they're shirtless, but maybe you're not shirtless. This is probably one of the more interesting things that I've been a part of. So, so maybe far. a four out of 10 on the dream scale. Yeah, I mean, well, at I least mean, so far. I mean, get, don't get cocky here. Out of, well, yeah, I mean, we, we need to heard, see how this concludes. This could y'all hadn't like heard that. Yeah, all right. It might. All right, I'm ready to listen. So gray beings might or might not have their shirt on, kind of like both in the same time kind of deal. Uh, we get out of the maze. Mm-hmm. Uh, double doors. I, I, I let it be known. I was the first to get out of the maze, and I led the shirtless gray beings out of the maze. Congratulations. Opened the double doors. An auditorium. Dancers. Music. Excitement. Um, this sounds well, like I'm in a Stephen King novel first, but go <laughs> ahead. Uh, and everyone's happy for us because we got out of the maze. Uh-huh. Who is everyone? All the dancers. All the gray beans and dancers guy, that are the in there. Gray, yes, yes. Were you part of the um, audience or were you going onto the stage? I was on the stage. Oh, I was wow. On the stage. So this yes. was, okay. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was the start of the show. It's my darn dream. Yes, yeah, I right. see um, that. I yeah. see that. I get At this that. point, the gray beans disappeared. They just. Just all went away. No crowd they, no more. We, okay. We, continu- continuity. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't um, matter in dreamscape. Then I walk out the other doors because the, the dancing part just fizzled out i guess mm-hmm. you know open up it's the normal world mm-hmm. except for one final act of cruelty everyone has been turned into dog people okay oh, that um, was not the twist i was no seeing. no except, not really huh um, they walk on their hind legs and they're also walking normal dogs see this oh. one Made from black, this one from closed. this one from a stephen king novel to an m night Shyamalan movie <laughs> in five see, seconds yeah, that, that, that was uh, extremely quick that is the flexibility that that's of my mind, of my subconscious mind. See, the only thing that I can really think of that matches something like that is um, I love comic books. I'm like a huge comic book oh, yeah. fan. Uh, one of my favorite comic books is The Sandman by Neil Gaiman. And in one of the first issues of that, the Sandman is the king of dreams. And so uh, basically the Sandman was trapped in this orb for like hundreds of years, encapsulated by this man. And... Um, he ended up being able to escape the orb, and once he did escape his uh, sort of glass prison that he was trapped in, um, the way that he kind of punished that guy for encapsulating him in the orb was he um, brought him into something called eternal dreaming, which is the, he will never ever, he won't die, mm. but every single day for the rest of his life, for the rest of eternity, he will be in a bed having a terrible dream and wake up. And have the same dream over and over and over and over again. He will always feel like he dies in his dreams, waking up, being, realizing he's alive, and go back to sleep and have the same dream. And it happens over and over for the rest of his life. So he just goes to bed and dreams about dog people every single night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be that would be a very... Honestly, you know, the going to sleep part doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, that sounds real nice. But it's like a bad... It's like, I mean, like you gotta Groundhog think- Day, but if it was like Groundhog Day and you're like, worst possible day. Exactly, yeah. yeah 100%. Like, you just found... Like, you got hit by a car and it was Groundhog Day and you just kept getting hit by a car every single day. Yeah. Now, let's get to our our guests. Let's ask you some questions. John, would you like to start? Oh, geez. I would love to start. Um, So this EP, um, this EP that is out the 20... I I keep on saying 30th. I've got it now. Um, (laughs) 30th of of January. January. 30th of January. 30th of January, 2021. Um, A a fateful day. Um, Uh, Oh, what time? 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. 3 o'clock. 3 ST, be there. Um, Also, we should say this now. 
what work if where can I listen? Uh, you can listen to it pretty much anywhere. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon Music, Tidal, Deezer, Pandora, iHeartRadio. You can even use it on the back of your TikToks if you'd like to. We wow. do distribute out to Instagram short videos and TikTok as well. So feel free to you know make your own little TikTok videos with uh, your favorite letters from Abel's song. The full works. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's cool. Um, your biggest influences mm. as a band? I definitely... First and foremost, I definitely have to say Kiss. Um, Kiss. I don't think I would be here as a person, as a musician, uh, without the band Kiss. They were kind of what started my love for rock and roll and for music in general. Um, then kind of going to a complete other darker side, uh, Slipknot, because that was definitely the second band that I kind of picked up and was like, wow, this is, you know, this is something I would definitely like to do. Uh, lastly... I can't really pick one of them, so I'm going to just kind of say all the 90s grunge bands, Alice in Chains, Pearl yeah, Jam, yeah. Nirvana. That, that's who I was thinking of when I was listening to the EP. Mm -hmm. it, it, they're just, I mean, it's such a time in music that you really just can't recreate. Oh, it's yeah. just an incredible, incredible yeah. time. What about you? Uh, like me personally? Yeah, like you personally. Um, I'd have to say, uh, for me personally, a lot of the, the music that influenced me and like my playing, mm -hmm. uh, it probably you know the same thing that he said with the '90s, all the '90s grunge oh, yeah. and punk bands. I'm I'm really into, but uh, I also really have a big thing for funk music. Oh uh, yeah, you know just anything mm -hmm. that grooves has you know a real deep bass, mm -hmm. uh, anything at all that just has like a groove and a pulse to it that I can you know just listen to. It just makes me want to dance. Uh, that's a big influence for me too. Amen to that. So uh, I guess I should go for context. Uh, uh, ben. ben is the <laughs> no, vocalist. No. No, oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> you guys can't see, but John apparently can't remember names uh, or or faces or really anything. Uh, I, 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 apparently, masks, so I apparently fair, lack object man. permanence uh, in this interview. Um, ben. Ben is yes. the bassist. That's um, right. He just spoke, and... Justin yes. is the vocalist. Yes, so um, those are the, those are who is speaking there. Uh, just figure I should give the roles, but yeah, that's um, those are pretty neat influences. Cooper, what's up? <laughs> are you asking my influence in music? <laughs> if you were to play in the band, if I were to play in the band, uh, I am I am a trained drummer, and by trained, I mean myself i've trained myself hey wow. welcome to the club yeah <laughs> i used to i used to be uh more of a drummer but you know haven't really gotten a chance to at college uh because it's hard to find a, it's hard to find a drum set around about these parts hunter uh as in <laughs> that's uh aka dark cosmos technologies <laughs> he has a drum set in his room uh there is one other drum set on campus that I'm allowed to use, and all of the heads are broken. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's uh, like getting into a car, and they're like, "You can use this," and it has four just rims. It's yeah. just sitting on rims. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll be sure to roll that out of here. Yeah, it's not necessarily the greatest. Uh, now, John, I turn the question back to you. What are your musical influences? Uh, uh, uh we're picking back up now. There was a, a brief disturbance. I yes. I turn the question. Back to Jonathan. Yeah. What is your influence? My music? musical influence. Uh, as someone who bought a banjo um, from Amazon Prime Day oh boy. during AP Gov senior year of high school. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to say my biggest influence uh, 
we talking about, you know, Chet, uh, Chet Atkins okay. and uh, we had a little bit of C. Martin. He's um, his banjo work um, and his guitar. Dang, I, I gotta say the nine, the '90s grunge. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think you sound like the more like like I, I never got too much in the Alice in Chains, like the heavier. Oh, like I love the, Alice in Chains. But yeah, I, I have a bit more like like the light stuff. Like, um, why am I blanking? I, I don't know. Stone I'm blanking. Temple Pilots. Yeah. Um, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Pearl Jam, okay, that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. stuff. Uh, the later stuff, like the later Pearl Jam stuff, where they drift away from grunge <laughs> yeah 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 they, they definitely they've they've they're one of the bands that is kind of i mean you know alice and chains i've seen them live they mm. always they put on a great show and they're definitely doing something similar to what they used to do oh, yeah. but pearl jam has definitely been one of those bands that has straight away and added some more color into their oh, yeah. repertoire of yeah. music yeah they, they've not stayed the same for i think for me i'd say for better but um yeah you know but we, we all have to change you know, yeah. growth is good. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't... Well, the thing is, is, you know, I mean, there's bands that, you know, I mean, you, you can look down the line of, you know, every single great band that there was, and you can see how much that they all changed and how much shit oh, that yeah. they had to get rid of and get over, whether it be, you know, a lineup change or just a complete lack of interest in the music you're making. I mean, like, you know, it kind of shows in all the 80s thrash bands, Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth, because, you know, by the 90s, you know, they weren't making... well. Slayer was still making thrash, but it took them a little bit longer to get out of that kind of phase and make something a little bit more less Slayer-ish into the 2000s. But, um, you know, I mean, like, if you look at the load era of Metallica and then the St. Anger, we just push that under the rug real quick. <laughs> but, I mean, even, I mean, you look every, you know, Megadeth had Trust in the 90s and Anthrax had... Um, that one record with a ball of garbage on the cover of it that I can't think of for some reason. No, no, no. I think you. I think you may be correct. If not, it was. It was with the same. The same uh, singer. Uh, that w one guy. I don't know why I can't think of his name either. I, I'm not a. I'm not a fan of that Anthrax era. To anybody who is listening and is aware of the band, uh, I do like the '80s thrash Anthrax. But I think, you know, it's. It's always something that, regardless of how your fans kind of feel about it, or regardless of how anybody feels about it, you kind of got to change for the way that. Ah, there she blows. Stomp four four two. And I think that came out in what, 92? 95? Okay, yeah. And there's, see, now, but then you go back now and, you know, it's like the whole thing, you know, like everybody's uh, in like a retro craze right now. You know, oh, like yeah. everything retro oh, yeah. vintage is so cool now. So it's yeah. like you can see Slayer's last record that they put out was super thrashy. Metallica's last record they put out, super thrashy. The same with Anthrax and Megadeth. They're all back to square one again trying to make music that people are gonna you know enjoy or want to listen to or whatever but i think that you definitely got to change regardless of how you know yeah. your fans feel about it you got to yeah. make yourself happy yeah i think that was a part of like the cool like the what made that music exciting at the time was that it was new yes. right it was new and it was like a like really original sound right yeah absolutely I, I mean you know the whole thing about thrash being born was you know the bands like metallica and slayer uh you know, coming out of California and stuff that just hated that L.A. scene of mm -hmm. Motley Crue, Poison, <laughs> like all the hair metal shit, you know, and they were so sick and tired of it that they were just like, yeah, no, fuck that. We don't want to hear shit like that. We want to make shit that's yeah. louder, quicker, faster, more deadly, you know, so it's like, I don't know. I mean, the you know, everybody's got to have their own style and shit, but that's why everybody's got to have their own style oh, to, yeah. to piss other people off, to say, you know, you need to make <laughs> something else because this is what I got. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> 
don't know what you're looking at me well, for. I, 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 so, uh, I didn't speak into my mic. A question, Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your band's first EP. Yes. Right. So how long have you guys been together, and where? How did how did you guys really form your band then? So we've been a band for uh, just over a year now. I think like well, it was like a year in October, right? Right. Yeah. So, so somewhere around there. Um, here in a couple months. And then yeah. we all met um, Ben Linares, uh, Justin Abel, Kate Desarmo, Drake Ely, Letters from Abel. We all met at the school that we were concurrently going to, the Detroit Institute of Music Education. And, um, you know, we all kind of started off and like, obviously, you know, everybody's going to school. You know, we're not exactly like out there looking for a band like mm. at first. But, you know, you're you're still kind of gauging it, seeing who you could play with and who you couldn't play with. And so... Uh, it kind of all just started off of like, you know, we were just kind of like the best group of friends in the school, you know, in our age group. And we all just got along really well. And then one day we all just kind of looked around and we were like, hmm, like we're kind of the best musicians in our age group as well. Like we yeah. might as well just kind of gang together and make a band. It just seemed like whenever we all went up to play together uh, during class or whatever, you know, things just came together in a way that it didn't when we were mm -hmm. playing with other musicians. And so we just kind of had this notion where it's like. Well, every time we seem to go up there, good things seem to happen. So yeah. we should maybe take advantage of this and make a, a band out of it. You know? It just made sense, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's some. It's it, it was, you know. I mean, and there's a lot of talented bands that came out of that school too. You know, I always like to mention Defect and Wisher. They are two really, really talented groups that we love very much, and we wish them all the best and stuff. But you know, I mean. I think that we are definitely the only band in our scene right now, at least, especially in Metro Detroit, that's making music like we're making right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. there's a lot to be said for being original. Yeah, that's very uh, true. Into that. Uh, so describe like the the process, right? The mm -hmm. when so you started you started as a band in last October. Yes. Right. Um, when did when did this EP really have its start? So, you know, looking in, you know, uh, the like when we started back in October 2019, it was um, it was like, you know, we just kind of wanted to get out there and play a couple songs that we had kind of that I had written. And like, you know, we were just kind of make them our own and then mm -hmm. just kind of like play some covers out there, you know, just kind of get a footing, you know. And then it was like once we kind of hit like, you know, we played our first show in December 2019. And then right after that, that was when what I like to call the wave happened of when within the span of two weeks, we got eight show offers. Oh, wow. And so it was like we were just mm. working like we had yeah. all of the rest of January and all of February booked of wow. 2020. And so it was like, you know, that was when we realized like, OK, maybe we could kind of do this. You know what I mean? And so it was like, um, actually, the one thing it's kind of funny that we're here uh, talking about this, but the one thing that really kind of drove us forward and said, you know, like, maybe, you know, this is definitely something that we can do and we can actually make a living off of this possibly is um, when we played here, when we played in Ann Arbor and we played the Blind Pig, you know, it was um, it was a Saturday night. And mm. so, you know, it was the city's rumbling and shit. This is before people were really worried about COVID and stuff. So oh, yeah. obviously shows were still going on mm. and stuff. And um, so, you know, we were getting excited. We didn't know what time we were going to go on. And we ended up getting uh, an 8.45 to like 9.15 time slot. So like prime time on a Saturday night. And so Ooh. we were super excited about it. Um, we go in there and um, we didn't really know what to expect. You know, we had a 35 minute set of like half punk covers and half of our originals. And um, we ended up selling the place out from walk-ins. People mm. were just walking in, sold the place out to like, you know, over 110, over 120 people just standing in there. And um and we ended up getting an encore at the end of it, which was really cool. That was like, after walking out of there, you know, it was like, it's like, um, 
I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like a put a dick on put your dick on the table moment. It's like a fucking like this is what I got. I'm showing up with it. Like you know, I'm just gonna let you know what I have like right off the get go. You know, like it's that, that, it's that weird moment where you realize that your dick is a lot bigger than you actually thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Than the table. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just like you you're expecting the sardine, but here comes the trout. You know, and it's like that's just not something you were expecting. So it was that was really the moment where everything kind of set in, and we were like, okay we can do this, we can mm. make our own music and people are going to like it and people mm. want to come and see us play. And so that was kind of the turning point of when I was like, all right, let's really turn gear after this and focus on trying to make a record. And that's when we kind of started writing more songs for the record and actually started thinking about recording it. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. Describe the uh, the writing process. Like how how would you say in the, the dynamic between the four of you or between the however many it's pretty it's is. pretty crazy because it's there's no like uh, one way mm-hmm. that, that songs are written you know the all of these songs just kind of came from all different places it was either you know Justin had written an entire song you know all the parts and all the lyrics and you know we just went in and uh, I put my bass down Drake put his guitar down Cade put his drums down and it just became a song but you know we've mm-hmm. had other songs where uh you know, uh, Drake has written a riff and, uh, we have like one song on the EP hollow where it's like all four of us have, we, we, we each have like an individual part on that song that we individually wrote. And it, you know, came, came out to be one big song that was just an effort of, you know, individually the four of us. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different processes that go into, you know, writing the songs for us. It yeah. doesn't, we don't really sit there and, you know, go through a process at all. It just kind of happens. It's organically through. Yeah. Y- y'all have played together for a while now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all have it's uh, y'all went to school together too. So I guess that I guess that makes sense that it comes together like just naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I wish our podcast could start like that, as opposed to John and I looking at each other going, uh, uh, John uh, uh, Cooper. Right. So, well, I mean, do you I, want to I, say I, something I'll, there? I'll, yeah, so, <laughs> once we get going, it's all right. But, uh, but I, before I mean, that, it's like that's how some jams are for us. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't always start off like, oh, this is it. I mean, sometimes it does, but sometimes it takes a second. But yeah. once once we're in it, we're in it. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just takes off from there. Yeah. Once once we take off, there isn't really much more work that goes into it. Everything just kind of happens. It's set in motion. Once the groove is found. Yeah. Once it's set, it's set. <laughs> and I mean, on, a, on an opposite side to that, you know, I mean, just from that great blind pig story moving over to something to where, you know, you can really see the, the tilting ways of being a musician. Uh, a couple weeks or actually a week prior to that blind pig show, um, we were playing this um, benefit. Mm-hmm. At a um at a bar in Taylor called Road Rangers, and anybody who was like a rockhead from the Metro Detroit area will know what Road Rangers is. It's a like a pretty well known bar. Um, we were playing a benefit at Road Rangers for this guy that was laid up in the hospital, and so you know we were making money for that and stuff. And um, so we had a you know obviously there's a load in time for every single gig and stuff. You know oh you got to load your equipment in at four o'clock, so be there sure. by four o'clock and shit. And so me. Um, our original guitarist and uh, my drummer are all there by four o'clock and mm. he's not there. And so I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It's okay. You know, <laughs> people have been late at loading before. It's not like he has that much shit to do. We're here. We can load the drums in. It's no big deal. You know what I mean? And so we were slotted to play at like 530 or six. I can't exactly remember what time, but um, so we're sitting there and like 525 is rolling around and I'm like... <laughs> He's still not here. And I'm like, this is this is bad. Like, this is really, really fucking bad. And so 
it comes to like two minutes and the guy's like, you guys are up. Like you gotta, you gotta get up there. And he's still not there. And so I'm like, we got to do it. And, um, so it was me, our original guitarist and my drummer. And so it was two guitars and one drummer playing up there. And so it was just really, really weird. And, uh, on top of that, uh, we were pretty much wallpaper music. Like we're playing hard rock wallpaper music. Like I'm talking like, you know, we would play a song and then like, it would just be like, <laughs> like it would like I was like wow these people literally could not give less of a shit about what the hell we got going on right now that like, was one of the most horrifying terrible days of my entire life really let me just give, let me just give some advice for the people out there that uh, are in more than one musical group try please try to uh, schedule your gigs your events whatever do not schedule t- Two in the same day. Don't ever do that ever. Oh and my goodness. The, the best part about it was we get done, we're loading off our gear on stage, and he walks right in the, walks right in the door as soon as we finish. Like I'm talking, I'm turning my amp off. I look up right at the front door, just standing there, there and I'm is. like, You've got to be shitting me. That's, that's how it I am goes. late. <laughs> yeah, just just a tad. That's pretty good. So how long you guys have said you've been a band since last October? Yes. Each of you personally though, how long you said you were in college? Or you know your respective uh, musical facilities. How long have you been a singer, and how long have you played the bass? Have you you know is it just something you picked up for fun? Is it uh you know something that you've had training in for the past ten years of your life? Um. So for me, uh, I was about like fourteen years old, and I was just you know listening to music, and uh, that's when I started to. You know, really, I would pick out the bass specifically. That's the part that would really stick out to me. And, you know, uh, that's the part that I was interested in. And so I I really wanted to learn how to play bass. And so I remember uh, my sister had this, like, uh, you know, beat to shit uh, first act acoustic guitar with, like, one string on it. <laughs> and uh, I, I tuned that one string to E, and I'd learn how to play bass lines on that one that one string on that acoustic guitar and so for my 15th birthday uh i I got a bass guitar uh uh, for my birthday and uh ever since that day i i just locked myself in my room and just played that thing for five six hours a day every single day it was all i did that entire (laughs) summer I have a summer birthday. My, my my birthday is July 1st, so I just sat in my room the whole summer just <laughs> learning songs, learning how to play, and, you know, just took off from there. I was pretty much entirely self-taught before I, you know, went to Dime to further my uh, education and met these guys. Uh, on my accord, um, I, um, I actually, so the first thing that I started off doing was I was a guitarist first. I didn't ever have, like, um, I've always enjoyed singing, but it was never something that I looked at and said, like, oh, I could be a vocalist if I wanted mm-hmm. to. So it was like, I wanted to be a guitar player. And so I started, um, I was, like, 11 when I first got my guitar um, and, like, plucked on it for, like, two months like got one lesson and then just put it down because you're 11 years old you don't know right. how to do shit yeah. you know what i mean like you can't keep an activity in your brain and so i kind of moved away from it for a couple years but music was always the kind of like hovering factor over my life like i've wanted to be a musician since i was a kid and like make music my life since i was a kid and so it was like when i was um yeah uh 13 um i went on a trip with my mom and my brother to new york because my mom her job uh her main headquarters is out in new york so sometimes i gotta fly her out there for shit and um so we stayed in new york for like a day and a half and um 
I just remember under our hotel, there was this little music shop. And every day, like walking out of the, or like, you know, for the every couple hours that I was there in New York, you know, I was walking out of the hotel and I kept hearing music and just like, it's one of those things to where it was like, it's almost like a bad car crash. Like you just can't help but look at it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to go over there, but like I want to. And so I went into the music shop. Like I finally like just begged my mom enough to let me just fucking walk in there. Cause I know I had nothing to buy. And, um, I like walked in there all like bright eyed and fucking just like blown away by everything I was looking at. And that was like the moment where I was like, okay, yeah, I got to go home and start learning guitar. And so from that day on, I just, same thing as him pretty much. I mean, like I learned that I had a musical ear and could sit down and put a record on in my room and play it as it was playing. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, so it was like, I really sat there for at least, you know, an hour every single day for the past five and a half, almost six years now. Uh, just playing every single day, just making sure I could do whatever I could to just better myself. And vocally, um, I started singing in my car like <laughs> three and a half years ago. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of oh. funny to say, you know, but it's like I started singing in my car and then like I would start singing songs and I'd be like, I feel like this doesn't sound bad. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm not like butchering this, you know? And then once I got to Dime and made the band, you know, we mm. were at our first, like one of our very first band practices and um, I can't remember who said it, but they were like, who's going to be the singer? And I was like, I'll be the singer. I mean, like, I yeah. don't really care. You know, yeah. like it was never like I didn't like throw myself out there like, oh, me, like I can do it. Like it was just like, oh, yeah, sure. And from that point on, that was when like a lot of the vocalists I've met now and whatever, are like, oh, did you not know that you can like sing? And I'm like, I just didn't fucking know. Like, I'm sorry. I started singing in my car. Like, it's crazy. A lot That's of a funny ways to find it out. <laughs> I feel like the four of us, all of us. uh like, even, like, with me and Drake having been in other bands before, like, we haven't really, really come into our own musically until this band. Like, one thing that's really new for me, uh, I sing a lot of uh, backing vocals mm -hmm. on, on the EP and just in the band in general. Nothing I ever saw myself doing, not even a year ago. I right. never thought I'd ever sing. I thought I would only play bass. And uh, it's just the weird way things happen. It just uh, does. You know, once we formed this band and all came together, we just kind of figured out what we were good at and just did it. And we didn't, like Justin didn't really know he was a badass singer before <laughs> Letters from Abel, you know. So I, I just think it's kind of cool that uh, the four of us, even though we've all had musical experience before this band, kind of tapped into something bigger. We found our own niche, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the culmination of... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A culmination well, of all your hard work kind of playing yeah. off into something, you know? Yeah. Well, John, I uh, actually sing on the way to and from Ann Arbor uh, personally when I'm driving home mm -hmm. for any break. What so, do you sing? So, uh, uh, specifically, I actually went horse on the way back from Thanksgiving break. All right. I was singing Ariana Grande. Hey, there you go. Uh, <laughs> hitting all those high notes. Yeah, that'll uh, kill you. I, won't, I don't mean to brag, but... Uh, Will you sing for us here? No, but I'm saying maybe... Maybe this is my my sign that next podcast tune in. Yeah, you just I'll gotta. Be, <laughs> I'll be hitting some notes, ain't no doubt. You just gotta bust out <laughs> an operatic mean section. Be good, or you know, like. Yeah. Well, that could be that. That could be an idea. I, I'll play my banjo, and you'll hit your Ariana Grande high notes. That would be magic. Would magic, be, true would magic. Be, it would right certainly there. be something. I don't think I would personally listen to it. it oh, I wouldn't either. I, I would. Either. So. Uh, I appreciate. That. I appreciate the support. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna ask one more question. Uh, so, what do you guys think is uh, next for your band and you guys together as a group? Um, 
I think what's next is pretty much more of the same. Um, you know, we have plans to, at the end of this year, go back into the studio and start recording for our second uh, actual, our first full-length uh, LP. Uh, we're planning to have probably anywhere from 10 to 14 songs on there, uh, and we already have about eight or nine of those written. Oh, wow. Uh, and so that's probably, I mean, that... And hopefully, you know, obviously nobody knows how this year is going to go, but maybe playing some shows soon. You know, hopefully we can get back out there and actually play at some point, maybe in the summer, maybe in the spring or whatever. Whatever may come, we're ready for it. But definitely uh, making more music, kicking more ass, playing more shows, you know, pretty much just everything that we can do to better ourselves as a group we're going to be doing. Amen to that. I think our music's getting better and better. Uh, We've been, you know, uh, writing every week for the past couple of weeks and I, you know, things are just getting better and better. And, uh, I think that anybody who listens to in your house is going to be uh, blown away when they hear our next release when it comes out. It's like I said, in the, uh, in the last interview I did actually, uh, two days ago, it's, uh, I, in my personal opinion, I believe that we are putting out one of the best rock records in the past 25 years. So that's my humble opinion. I know I like to toot my own horn or suck my own dick, but I'm going to do that right now. So it's (laughs) definitely, I mean, I feel very, very passionately about these songs that we wrote and the music that we're putting out. And, you know, I hope that everybody likes it as much as we do. Absolutely. And well, I've listened to it. I think it's very, very good. Uh, So it's got, it's got the pelling around like Oprah has her like book list, Mm -hmm. like pelling around has its official stamp on this. Um. <laughs> really, really, you know, symbolic stamp because we don't symbolic, have a we don't stamp. have. Hey, yeah. there you go, though. Um, but take that for what you will. Hey, I, we appreciate any stamp of approval that we can 100%. get. But uh, yeah. on that note, we are just about out. Um, once again, um, Ben Linares, Justin Abel, from Letters from Evil, and their EP is out on January 30th. Listen to it any, anywhere and everywhere. Uh, and again, thank you for listening. Uh, also, oh. here is Afterborn from In Your House. Afterborn!
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Palling Around, produced by Hunter Adams of Dark Cosmos Technologies. Your hosts are John Kelly and Cooper Clark. Music by Telder on Bandcamp and Spotify with hosting by Podbean. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and the Podbean app. Tune in next week for more episodes of Palling Around. Well, basically, like... You know, the one major thing that we want to have is an LFA vaccine. The LFA COVID vaccine will roll out right along the Pfizer vaccine. You know, one or two doses, whichever you prefer. And it's uh, going to make the LFA stock go up like can crazy. I, can I take more doses if I want? Absolutely. Whatever you'd like. Oh, whatever, yeah. whatever you need, we got you.